I want to share with you a story this morning, and it's going to start a little bit heavy, but stick with me to the end because I think where we're going at the very end is going to be really good news. And at the very end of this all, I'm going to give a number of people in this room an opportunity to choose Jesus to be their Savior and Lord this morning. And so we'll look forward to celebrating that. A number of years ago, I met a man by the name of Walter. It's not his real name. But Walter's still alive. He doesn't live in Lethbridge, but he's still alive, and and I just want to respect uh, uh, who he is, but I also want to share his story with you. It's actually an amazing story. In the beginning, he, uh, his family lived in Germany during the war, and they struggled. As a young man at 14, Walter, for some reason, became the principal uh, earner for the family, and it was his job to put food on the table night in and night out, and, and it was really hard. In fact, it was so hard that Walter resolved that even if he had to steal food and he had to scrimp food and he had to take it from somewhere that maybe he wasn't supposed to, he would do whatever it would take to provide for his family. And night in and night out, day after day, food was always on the table, but often it came at at a bit of a cost or no cost in in this case. When the war was over, Walter was about 19 years old, and he wanted a new life, and so he moved to the city of Calgary, and there, he, as he wanted a new life, he, he got involved in the construction industry. And in his first three jobs, he, he was called into the boss's notice, and three times in a row, he was laid off because he just wasn't really that much of a great worker, at least swinging a hammer. It stung him that he would be treated this way. And so he resolved that he wanted to be the boss himself. And so he found another job and he started to scrimp and save. Maybe he cheated the system, I don't know. But he got himself to a place where he bought his first building in the city of Calgary. And he started to hire, he started to rent it out and then hire people to do renovations. And more and more as he saved money and scrimped money and he was ruthless in doing that. He was able to accumulate and acquire more. And by the end of the 1970s, Walter owned every single square foot of storage, of uh, commercial storage space in the city of Calgary. It's a true story. By the early 90s, our story started to come together. My dad, who's a chartered accountant, uh, left public practice in downtown Calgary and went to work for Walter as sort of his personal uh, accountant, a controller, if you will. He oversaw Walter's finances. And day in and day out, he started to see more and more the man that Walter was. He continued to be ruthless. And while he had acquired great wealth and, and had every opportunity in life, it had come at a great cost. There was a swath of broken relationships behind him. He was known for being cutthroat and hard. And even in his uh, now 60s, despite the great wealth that he had, Walter pinched every single penny. He had sacrificed much. But the thing that he had sacrificed almost the most was something that should have been his greatest earthly gift, and it was his family. And in the midst of what should have been some of the greatest years of his life, Walter was completely empty. My dad said that he would sometimes hear him at the end of the day, and he would go into Walter's office just on the outskirts of Calgary in the Beltline area. And there Walter would be weeping at his desk, And he'd say, what had I done this for? At what cost did this all come? My boys don't, my boys can't stand me. They don't even want to be in the same room as me. This has been all for naught. 
And despite the fact that he had millions of dollars in his financial statements, despite the fact that he literally had the ability to buy happiness in life, Walter found himself realizing that he had missed the point. That despite a bank account full of money, uh, his life had strong measures of emptiness and hurt from what should have been something very, very different. Walter missed an important opportunity in his life. And friends, I want to share with you this morning that you have the opportunity to make a choice and not miss the mark, not miss the point of why we celebrate Easter here today. It is Easter Sunday. It's time to start celebrating. It is time to rejoice in the fact that Jesus stepped out of heaven and came to this earth to give us the greatest gift that we could ever receive. He has the ability to make our path straight again. And while it won't necessarily change the circumstances of our lives, I want to share with you that it will give us a hope in hopeless times. That this gift that Jesus has for us, despite the seasons that we live in, will set us free from the bondage that so many of us walk around in. It will literally move away the tombstone of our lives and allow us, like Jesus did, like he modeled before us, to step out of the graves of life and to step into an abundant life that Jesus longs for us to know. This morning, we want to flesh out the claim from John chapter 11, verse 25, where he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then Jesus says, do you believe this? And I ask you to, do you believe that this is the good news? After we talk around a few things here this morning, I'm going to give you the opportunity to look at life and ask yourself the question, am I going to choose to live with Jesus here today? But just before we get to that question, I would invite you to open your Bibles. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is where we're landing this morning. It's in the New Testament after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the accounts of Jesus' life after the book of Acts, after Romans we come to the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to read to us from verses 1 to 11, and then a little bit from 17 to 21. And I'd invite you to follow along, keep that question in front of you. Am I going to choose to live with Jesus here today? Let's receive God's word together. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom who are living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and then to all of the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I, no, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preached and this is what you believed. And then down to 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who are asleep, uh, who have fallen asleep in Christ are also lost. 
If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be more pitied than all others. But verse 20, but Christ was indeed, uh, has been indeed raised from the dead, the first fruits of all those who have fallen asleep. For since death has come through a human being, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a human being. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. This is amazing news, friends. And if you could boil down today's talk to one sentence, it would really boil down to this. It's that the tomb of Jesus Christ is empty, and therefore your life doesn't have to be. No empty tomb equals, or sorry, an empty tomb equals no more empty life. But the reality, friends, is that without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there really isn't reason to have hope in this season. In the resurrection, Jesus showed to us that he actually was who he said he was. He actually accomplished what he said he was going to do. But without of it, all of these promises that we've just sung about, all of these claims that we've made, all of these things that we believe, the basis of our faith, all of it isn't true unless Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Paul says here in verse 2, By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. If Jesus doesn't resurrect, if he doesn't come to life again and walk out of that tomb, this faith that we, that we say we believe in, this hope that we have, it's just blind faith. It's just blind hope. But Paul says here, if it is true, which it is, he's going to show us this in a moment, He says in verse 3, For what I received, I passed on to you of first importance. This is the most important thing. This is the most important reality. The resurrection gives us a historical truth for our faith, a foundation, if you will. We don't just have a blind faith or a blind hope that maybe Jesus is going to do something in our lives in a hopeless time and in a hopeless world, but rather, as he made promise after promise and statement after statement, he will actually do the things that he said he was going to do. Friends, if Jesus couldn't save himself, what hope do we have that he's, gonna, that he's going to save us? And yet he did. And because of his death and now his resurrection, we know that we are set free from the curse of sin. That authority that's held over us has changed, and now it's the authority of the living Christ. Because of his death and resurrection on the cross, Jesus brings us into relationship with God the Father. He gives to us the Holy Spirit. He gives to us peace in difficult times. He blesses us with eternity. He gives us a calling. He didn't just save us for eternity. He wants to transform us on this earth. And so he gives us a calling and he shows us the bigger picture of how our lives can be a part of God's story. It's a radical transformation. And the resurrection shows to us that this isn't just a hope, but it's a reality. The resurrection gives us the firm foundation of faith that we can lean on every day and understand. Yesterday morning, I was working out first time in a long time. In fact, here's a, here's a really sad part of my reality. The last time I was in the gym lifting weights, there was somebody by the name of Riley that was on our staff. I'll leave that with a bunch of you. So in the midst of working out and almost throwing up, one of my friends who works at the police station and is, and is an investigator or a detective, with, as, if you will, told me that if... In investigation processes, if two or three people come forward as witness to a crime, they have a strong case. If nine or ten people bear witness to something, it's a slam dunk. 
what Paul shows to us here is that it wasn't two or three or four, it wasn't nine or ten. He says to us that over 500 people bore witness to the fact that Jesus rose again. This isn't just something that we trust or wish happened. This is something we know happened. It's not a gray reality of our lives. It's black and white. 500 people rubbed shoulders with Jesus. 500 people looked him in the eyes. Over 500 people maybe ate with him, maybe joked with him, maybe smelt his bad breath if he had that. 500 people encountered the living Christ. And because of that, we know that this isn't just a probability. It's not a slam dunk. This is absolute truth. Because the the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ confirms everything to us. It confirmed that he was the Messiah, the sent one. It confirmed that he was fulfilling the Old Testament prophecies. It confirmed that God's work was true. It confirmed that if he could save himself, then he could work in our lives. And in doing so, we have hope in this season and hope for today that it's true and it's real and that Jesus is alive. Not only this, friends, but that he is more for us in life. That life isn't empty. Instead, it's the opposite. It's not empty. It's full. And we're reminded today that there is good news in the resurrection of Jesus because it's going to transform and lead us forward into a much fuller life. And if you look at this world today, there's a lot of reason to be weighed down. There's a lot of things that pull at us that leave us discouraged and defeated sometimes even destroyed. We look at this country that we live in, the province that we live in, sometimes the city that we live in, and there's political strife and economic struggle. There's relational strife. There's spiritual struggle. All of it paired together comes as a result of sin in our world. And sin, of course, is an offense against God, an offense against his standard that he has for us. It's an offense against each other as well. And truly, sin is at the root of our struggle. That none of us, or that we all, that the, sin is at the root of the struggle that we all face and none of us can escape it. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So outside of Jesus, all of us have a sinful identity. And then in Romans 6.23, a few verses later, it says the result of that identity is death for the wages of sin is death. But then it says the gift of life is found through Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord. So we know that we've all sinned, and because we've all sinned, we're slowly dying, but not just dying someday, years from now, or, or, or sometime in our future. We're slowly dying day in and day out because our sin condition has, has given to us so much brokenness in this world. Daily, as we offend God and we offend others, things break down, relationships break down, morale breaks down, our, our bodies break down. The sin, our sin condition feeds all aspects of our lives in a negative way, and all of us are going to be defeated by it in some way or, or another unless something is going to be done or unless something was done. And God knew this. God knew that at the heart of humanity was brokenness. It started with Adam and Eve, and it continues on today. It's not something we can escape, and so he knew he had to do something about our sin condition, and so he sent his son, Jesus. Jesus went to the cross. And friends, I believe that he went to the cross not only to change the realities of eternity for us or life after death, but he, as he died, he also had our present realities in mind. 
He wanted to, to do something about that authority and that sinful identity that was over us. And so Jesus Christ died on the cross, and as his blood was shed, as his body was broken, the curse of sin was broken as well. A new identity was placed over top of us. A new authority was, was put uh, over top of us and onto our heads and onto our shoulders. And that reality of brokenness and alienation and condemnation in a broken and hardened world, that uh, broken and hardened and hurting world, that pattern was broken and it was changed. And a new picture started to be painted over our heads. A picture of wholeness, a picture of blessing, a picture of beauty, a picture of relationship with the almighty God of the universe. That picture changes us here today. Rather than living a life that's in a downward spiral, Jesus lifted us and put us onto a firm foundation, onto a solid rock, and this was truly the good news that people needed. It was truly the transformation that needed to take place. It's truly what we celebrate here today. We're not defeated and in a tomb that's covered and sealed and final. The stone has been rolled away from our lives. And Jesus has reached in. He's pulled us out of that grave. He's pulled us out of that tomb. And he started to rewrite the chapters or the the story of our lives. And it gives us hope again. The Bible says in Psalm 16, verses 1 to 8, I'll summarize it in this this sentence. It says this, The flesh shall also find rest in hope. And in discouraged and defeated times, as Jesus reaches in to the tombs of our life, as he reaches forward and flesh connects with flesh, spirit connects with spirit, as we receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, as he pulls us out, we can find that even in the most broken of days, in the most broken of times, we can find hope again. Because Jesus has lifted us. Paul says here in verse 17, he says in verse 3, this is of first importance. And he says to us in verse 17 that the resurrection is so important because if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then we're stuck in our sins. We're stuck. We remain in our sin. But then in verse 20, he says, but Christ has indeed been raised. This is a historical reality. Christ has indeed been raised. And that brokenness, that discouragement, that anxiety, that defeat that we so often experience in life, it doesn't have to be who we are anymore. Instead, we're lifted, we're transformed. We will be raised to the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a human being. This is true for eternity, but it's also true for today. I just want to share with you that we've seen and we've experienced over and over and over the lift of Jesus. That when we surrender our life to Jesus, when we allow him to take the wheel, so to speak, or to lead the way, it's, we received the, the lift of Jesus and the hope of Jesus for eternity, but also for today. When we allow Jesus to touch our hearts, when we receive him as Savior and Lord, amazing things take place. He starts to write a new chapter in our story. He starts to to melt away the bitterness of our heart. He releases us from the bondage of addiction and anxiety. He frees us so that we can run in life again, so that the, the identity piece of our life or the narrative of our life or the theme of our life isn't defeat and brokenness. Instead, it's victory and blessing and praise. 
The resurrection gives us confidence to know that just as miraculous as it was that Jesus was raised from the dead, that God works in a similar sort of way. And verse 24 here says that at the end of it all, at the end of of it all, our identity and this authority will be replaced from sinful to found in Jesus to whole. That Jesus will lift us in a new way. That morning that Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and um, Salome, as it said on the screen, or Joanne, as it says in some other translations, when they arrived to the tomb, they came early in the morning before the sun had even risen. And in the darkness of that morning, they discovered that the stone had been rolled away and that Jesus was alive. And very similarly in our lives, friends, so often it's been the case that in our darkest hours, in our darkest times, when we reach out to Jesus, we will meet him and find him there. And what feels like a moment of death will all of a sudden be transformed into a moment that's miraculous, it's a miracle, a life-giving moment where he will lift us and transform us and place our feet on solid rock again. Psalm 40, verses 1 to 3 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm uh, place to stand. Then hear this because this is how Jesus works. He put a new song into my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Friends, we could go around for the rest of this day and we could share story after story, testimony after testimony of people who've encountered with Jesus, whose lives have been radically transformed and radically changed as they reached out to him and as he brought them into his family. Stories of people in this church who had hard hearts and hard lives. Stories of people in this church who hung tightly to the resources that God had given them, who had broken relationships, who were abusive, who were broken and beaten down and destroyed, completely defeated in life. We could go on and on for days of these kind of people whose lives were radically transformed when they came and when they reached out and when they met Jesus. And as these lives met Jesus, we started to see, and I've heard about stories from the past, I've seen stories from the present, we've started to see and hear about lives that were transformed, where the the hard earth that felt like cement inside someone's heart started to break up and where life started to sprout and come, come alive again. People who went from being bitter and, and difficult and miserable to be around. Nobody wanted to be with them, even their families who God worked in their lives and did miraculous things. Friends, I know these days are hard. I know these days are broken. But these days are not defeated. And they're not defeated because Jesus is on the throne. Because he actually did what he said he was going to do. This is our hope. This is our reality. This is actual and historical. It's not a weak desire that we have that maybe God is going to move in our lives. This is a reality that he has done the impossible. He's defeated death. And he wants to help you do the same. You just need to reach out and receive him. He can change our life for eternity and he can change our present situation and it all boils down to a choice that we have to make to admit our broken identity, to admit that we need a savior, to bow our knees and invite him into our hearts and walk daily with him, allowing him to make us alive again. When we consider the work of God in our lives, it's very clear. 
that out of a passionate love for humanity, God created a pathway to fullness. He created a pathway to new life. He created a pathway to transformation. And that pathway has a name, and its name is Jesus. But let me say something really quick. Because there's this idea in life that somehow we can earn favor with God. There's this idea that somehow we can do something outside of receiving Jesus. We can have, we can give Jesus, or we can give God something, whether it's our money or our resources or our service. We can, we can somehow earn favor with God, and the Bible's very clear that there's nothing that we can do that will earn God's love. There's nothing that we can, we can give that will earn more favor with God. Ephesians chapter 2 is very clear that first, we're dead without Jesus, that our sinful identity is killing us, and second, that it is by grace that we've been saved through faith. This is not of ourselves, it's a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. And as we desire a life of purpose, a life of fullness, and not emptiness, we find that with Jesus, there's nothing that we can do to earn this gift. But instead, the only thing that we can do is to receive Jesus into our heart. It's to walk with him daily. There's nothing we can do. It's already been done. We just have to live with a heart to posture that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. This is where Walter missed the point. Walter, in some ways, was actually a not bad guy. But he missed the point. He scrimped and he, sa- and he saved and he stole and he, he scrounged and he worked so hard to try to find happiness in life. He did all of the right things. Sometimes he gave to charity. Uh, every year on January 1st, he gave large amounts of money to his sons. But none of it mattered because his heart was hard and because he didn't have Jesus. Friends, I want to invite you. Walter had all the money. He had all the toys. He had the earthly life that so many of us think that we want, and yet he was empty on the inside because he never came to the point where he invited Jesus in. And today you have that opportunity. Romans 10 verse 9 says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that, Jesus, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I hope that we've proven the second part of that equation. Believe in your heart that God was raised from the dead. That's proven. It's historical. It's actual. And now comes the first part where you need to declare it with your mouth. You need to stand up and talk to God and literally call out to him and say that you know that you need forgiveness. You know that you need a new identity. There needs to be a different authority over your life. You need his filling. You need his fullness. You need the freedom that he brings, the transformation that he brings. And I'm not going to promise you that your circumstances are going to change, but I will promise that day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, as you walk with Jesus, life transformation will come. A blessing will come, and not in fuller bank accounts or easier times, but in an abundant mindset, in a joyful existence, in a perspective that no empty tomb, or that an empty tomb means no more empty life. He gives you the freedom that you long for, free from addiction, free from anxiety, free from struggle, uh, from uh, sometimes struggle. And he gives relationship and fullness. And so I want to ask the question one more time. 
Do you want the gift of the resurrected Christ to live in your heart today? As I ask you that question, I'm going to ask the entire church to do something now. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads because I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to that question. Do you want to receive the gift of the resurrected Christ to live in your heart today? And with heads bowed and eyes closed, as I'm asking that question, I'm trusting that God is pulling on the strings of people's hearts, and as he's pulling on the strings of people's hearts, I'm going to ask you to respond to that. And if you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, if you would like to receive the gift of eternal life and the gift of transformation today, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Nobody's watching. I'm going to invite you to stand up and to hold out your hands because it's time to invite Jesus into your life. The struggle's over. There's good news. Your identity's been changed. I'm going to invite you to stand and as you stand, I'm going to ask that you would say a prayer with me this morning. And in this prayer, it's It's your way of declaring with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And so, if you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord this morning, I'm going to ask as you stand to speak these words with me. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and I invite you to come into my heart and my life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. I receive you now. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite you to be seated, but as you're here, if you stood this morning, I want to let you know that God has an amazing journey for you in the days ahead. And we would love to connect with you on this journey. We would love for you to connect with one of our staff this morning who are here. And I see Dylan in the back. I know Brian's around. Uh, They're wearing name tags. And as you connect with them, they have a gift for you. It's a red bag. And inside that bag is a gift of a Bible, some devotional material. There's uh, a brochure about the journey with Jesus. And these people would love to connect with you and would love to just take you for coffee and hear more of your story and encourage you about how you can experience the transformational work of Jesus. Friends, Paul said it and I say it again. This is of first importance. Nothing will bless. Nothing will touch you. Nothing will transform you. Nothing will fill you like Jesus. So would you follow him today? Would you live in the victory of the resurrection and find meaning and fullness in life again? Empty grave means no more empty life. Go and connect with one of our staff if you've prayed this prayer this morning and received that gift. And as you're here, maybe for you, it's important that you make a fresh commitment to Jesus here today. I don't think the days are getting easier. In fact, I think there's some more challenge in front of us. And so, There becomes a place, an opportunity where we need to uh, receive Jesus in a fresh way. And one of the ways we can do that is in our times of worship. And so as those people go and and connect with our staff, I'm going to invite the rest of us to stand. Stand right now. And this song, I was singing it on Friday as I was getting ready for this morning. 
This song became powerful for me, and I trust it'll be powerful to you. Songs of choosing Jesus in a fresh way. Songs of surrendering to him. Songs of receiving his blessing. Sing this song loud. Sing it proud. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He's lifting you as well. This is good news. He is alive today. He is risen. He is risen indeed.